Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome, MD Nation, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I'm your host, Dan Mater. And we have the Friday installment today, the Week 2 Preview Part 2, where we're going to be talking about the 4 o'clock Sunday night and Monday night games, along with recapping the last night's game during the Thursday night game with Carolina and Tampa Bay. And of course, at the end of the show, we have a mailbag segment for you from the fans to be able to answer your questions ahead of your matchups on Sunday to help you get on the right track to winning your week two game. And that's what it is all about. Remember, week to week, you have to stay vigilant on the waiver wire. You have to be willing to pull the trigger on trades that make sense for your team. That is the way to win a championship. This is the part of the season where you actually win your championship. It's not done at the draft. The draft gets you your fundamental core. The waiver moves and trades that you can possibly make to help your teams is how you get a championship team. And remember, you just ask me all of those questions. Start, sit, who should I pick up? Who should I trade? I will be there for you guys all season long. So make sure you're following me along and getting those player up-to-date news notifications over the weekend at MDS FF show on Twitter or at MDFF show on Facebook and of course follow along I have the week two rankings up I got them up yesterday afternoon before the Thursday night game I have updated them and taking all the players from Carolina and Tampa Bay out of those rankings so they are up to date for Sunday and Monday when you go to MDFFshow.com so we got to start off with the latest news segment not much to talk about here but we do have some Antonio Brown news, and then we'll get into the recap and previewing the rest of the game. So let's drop that latest news sounder. Latest news. So we really only have one piece of news to talk about that is not going to be part of our game previews that we did either yesterday or will do in today's episode, and that's Antonio Brown. And I should just start calling this the Antonio Brown segment because that's pretty much all the latest news segment has been over the past, I want to say, month now at this point. And... Yeah, Antonio Brown is not going to be put on the exempt list. He is expected to play on Sunday. Now, you ha- if you have Antonio Brown, I think you have to play him. You're going against Miami. It's the Patriots. I think they're going to be eager to use him. But there are some concerns. While it's a great matchup, while it's going to be a great offense for him, I do worry a little bit exactly how much he's going to play. Now, Antonio Brown may not have to play that much to be very fantasy relevant for you this week, which is why I would have him in my starting lineups if you have him. But I would be a little bit concerned about the snap count as this is his first real week of practice. He still has to get immersed into the offense moving forward. And we have to really see how this is all going to work out and be a split at the end of the day, especially early on. Now against the Dolphins, it's probably the perfect team for the Patriots to get their quote-unquote practice time in as to what they want to do moving forward and to try some things out and probably have a select package or a few routes picked out for Antonio Brown on certain packages. So he will play enough. Like I said, if you have him, I would still start him. But lower your expectations as far as what you think his ceiling could be against the Dolphins just in this first week because I'm going to be curious to see exactly how much into the offense he already is. So we're going to take a quick break right here, come back on the other side. We're going to recap last night's game and start getting to the preview for the 4 o'clock games. 
The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. So last night's game was, I guess, a little bit better than last Thursday, I guess. At the first half, it was starting to look really bad. It was starting to look like it was going to be a complete repeat of the first Thursday game against the Packers and the Bears, where it was going to be a total snooze fest. And unless you were a fan of one of the teams or had fantasy implications, you really were not going to care about that game at all. At least in the second half, it did pick up to some degree. It still wasn't great. And we had a lot of bad weather. There was a 27-minute delay in this game due to thunderstorms in the area. So that may have had some effect on some of the play going on in this game. But for the most part, it kind of looked like another slobber knocker, ugly type of game that just got a little bit better in the second half. So let's break down on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side of the ball first, the road team here. Jameis Winston, I guess he was a little bit better than he was last week because he didn't have the interceptions. But statistically speaking, it wasn't a whole lot different, and it still wasn't very good for your fantasy teams. He still only put up about 13 points for you, uh, which is pretty close to my projection. I only had him projected for 15 points this week. He looked like he played better as far as his overall performance goes, but the production was just not there for your fantasy teams yet. Now, he's going to be a guy moving forward that we know Jameis at some point is going to have a stretch where he's going to be the hot man at the quarterback position where he's going to be performing as a top 10 guy week in and week out for a stretch of time with it with a matchups coming up this game I think while it was not great for him fantasy wise was a game that indicated to me that he's going to look to play better he learned from some of his mistakes against San Francisco he put that game behind him and now this was a stepping stone in the right direction for the production that you're looking for out of him to come Jameis is still going to be my sleeper quarterback at the end of the year I still think he has a chance to finish as the top 10 guy uh, as we go down the road. Remember, Mike Evans, even in this game, still didn't get involved that much. That's going to change moving forward. And OJ Howard did not get involved at all in this matchup, and that will change moving forward as well. So I do not worry about this. This was really a positive step for me, even though it wasn't great for you fantasy-wise. Now, hopefully you had paid attention to my rankings and to my shows of what I was talking about of Jameis leading up into this game. And you didn't start him this week because I said I was concerned. He's going to have to prove that he's going to play better before I have a chance to play him. So hopefully he wasn't in your starting lineups. Because if he was, this is the second week in a row, you're probably going to be really upset about Jameis' performance and want to move on. Don't move on. Put him on your bench. Be able to stream him or have him paired up with somebody moving forward to play him based off of matchups. In this game, he was 16-25, 208 yards, one touchdown. The biggest thing was he didn't turn the ball over in this matchup. And he did play overall a lot better better even though it wasn't great for the running back situation not only did Peyton Barber start in this game but he dominated the touches 23 carries 82 yards and a touchdown in this one had a nice touchdown run on that but at the end of the day still only averaged about three and a half yards a carry which is Peyton Barber so I still wonder when they're going to be using Ronald Jones a little bit more. I think that's still a possibility. I think after Ronald Jones was the better performer on Sunday, I did think it was interesting that he barely touched the ball in this one, only four carries for nine yards in this game, and was a non-factor in the passing game, as he probably will not be a factor in the passing game moving forward anyway. Uh, But with that... You know, that's something you're going to have to watch. I think, you know, Peyton Barber still, while he had a couple decent runs, overall was not efficient yet again. So we're going to have to keep our eyes on that. But as of now, I don't know how you trust playing anybody in Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield. If one emerges, then they will be worthy to stash. But until then... I'm not I'm not owning Ronald Jones. I'm not rostering Ronald Jones. And I would probably at this point you'd have to roster Peyton Barber as he is right now the starter. But I don't know when you would play Peyton Barber. Moving on to the wide receivers, Chris Godwin had a great game. Eight catches, 121 yards, touchdown, had nine targets, led the way to targets on the team. He looked sharp. He looked good. He looked like everything we expected him to be over the summer. Everybody was telling you how good Chris Godwin was going to be. And this was his game. This was his matchup with Mike Evans on the other side. Mike Evans had eight targets, so he only had one less target, but four catches, 61 yards. Him and Winston just have seemingly have not been on the same page as of yet. 
Uh, there was one where I thought Mike Evans should have had a touchdown in this game. It was actually a really nice throw by Jameis Winston to the corner of the end zone. Mike Evans stuck out. He had his entire hand on it. It was only one hand, but it was a catch that you usually see him make. It didn't look like it was a particularly difficult one, especially for a guy like Mike Evans. So he should have had a touchdown in this game and would have had a much better stat line. As a result, it just didn't work out this time. I think he will be okay. The biggest story for the pass catchers is O.J. Howard was not targeted once in this game. Not at all. And after having a bad game against San Francisco to come back and not even be targeted, even though the Titans are not a great matchup against Carolina, for him to not even be targeted is concerning. Now look, we all know the talent of O.J. Howard. He was still out in the field almost the entire time. So better days are going to be ahead. But I understand why you would feel like you want to hit the panic button after the two weeks. Do not drop O.J. Howard if you're in tight end leagues. He's still going to wind up finishing as a top 10 guy. He still has incredible talent. He's still going to go on a run. Whenever Jameis goes on his run, O.J. Howard will go on his run. I mark my words. But for now, yeah, you you might have to keep an eye on the matchups because he is pretty low on the pecking order as far as the pass catchers go. I mean, even Cameron Bright had two targets in this game, at least. But like I said, with O.J. Howard, don't hit the panic button. I think you can still start him moving forward. But if there becomes a good option for you at the tight end position, maybe you want to pay attention to the matchup just until the Buccaneers offense gets rolling. On the Panthers side of the ball, Cam Newton was not good. Wasn't horrible, but he wasn't good. 24-50, did throw for 324 yards, but no touchdowns. Didn't have a turnover. The biggest thing with him is that he didn't run. And my biggest analysis with Cam Newton right now is the fact that that he looks like he's scared to get hit. He doesn't look like he's playing in pain. Now, his arm strength is definitely not there when he tries to throw the ball deep. And you kind of saw it on a pass that was immensely overthrown to Curtis Samuel down the field. I believe it was in the first quarter of the game. Not talking about the one where he got hit, where Curtis Samuel was open going across the middle. Talking about earlier in the game in the first quarter, he tried to hit Curtis Samuel down the field, and he did. He completed the pass. But he wasn't able to lead him. He just got it out to him. And Curtis Samuel had to hold up as a result. If he's able to put that ball out in front of him, Curtis Samuel would have scored a 70-yard touchdown. Without a doubt. Because he was that open. He had a defender beat. Cam wasn't able to get him the ball. He had to throw it short. So while I got that pass completed, it was a signal to me that his arms just is just confirming it's just not there. And on top of that, what I noticed in this game is that, like I said, he looks like he's afraid to get hit. He didn't want to run in this game, which is proof by, you know, the two attempts for zero yards in this one. He looks like he's worried to get hit in certain areas. And I, if Cam's going to be afraid to run, I don't know what kind of value Cam's going to have for you on a week and week in week out basis. Now you're not dumping him by any stretch of the means, But he is somebody who I think if you don't already have a quarterback paired up with him, you might want to seek out on the waiver wire to get one. You might want to pick up a Matthew Stafford, an Andy Dalton, someone along those lines that you can grab off the waiver wire right now. I would even look at a Ben Roethlisberger when he plays at home because I know a lot of people dropped him after the Sunday night game. Those are all names that I would look to pair up with Cam Newton to play on matchups because I don't know if you can just plug him, play him as your number one starter anymore. Christian McCaffrey didn't have a great game here, but it's Christian McCaffrey. I don't think anybody's going to be worried about what his value is moving forward. 16 carries, 37 yards, no touchdowns. The biggest thing was that he was not that involved in the passing game considering Cam threw the ball 50 times in this game. Only two catches for 16 yards on six targets in this one. It was the wide receivers and Greg Olson who had the big games here. Olson was six catches, 110 yards on nine targets. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. He had a, he had a bad back coming off of a short week, coming off a week where he didn't look all that great, and yet in this game it looked like Tampa Bay just forgot to cover him. That's essentially what it was. It wasn't contested catches he was making out there. It wasn't necessarily great routes or that he looked spry because he didn't really look spry to me at all. It was Tampa Bay just not game planning to cover him across the middle. And that's pretty much what it came down to, and the the volume was there for all the pass catchers. Leading up to that was DJ Moore. He had 14 targets, 9 catches, 89 yards. He continues to lead the way as far as being the most targeted pass catcher of the Carolina Panthers. 
that's probably going to continue. They continue to not put him in situations where he gets to use his speed down the field too much. They use him in a lot of slants, a lot of intermediate routes, but that's been working out well with Cam Newton right now, and he has been a favorite target. He does seem to really trust him, especially when they need to move the sticks. You saw that in last night's game when they're in crucial situations. He was looking for DJ Moore in those situations. So for PPR purposes, DJ Moore is going to continue to have a very high floor because I think he's going to continue to be targeted in a lot of games. And I think this might be a year where we see Cam have to throw the ball a lot more than he really wants to at the end of the day. Uh, not just not just because of this game, but based off the last couple of games and how this team is going to be structured to go. They're going to be down 0-2. They're going to be looking to come out aggressive in their next few matchups. Curtis Samuel was pretty good. He was targeted a lot, 12 times, four catches, 82 yards. Like I said, he would have had a long touchdown had Cam been able to put the ball out in front. But Curtis Samuel, to me, the... the Cam's inability to take shots down the field the way he used to anymore hurts Curtis Samuel the most out of anyone. And I don't know when I'm going to feel comfortable playing Curtis Samuel based unless it's a really juicy matchup where I feel like I can try to hit a home run just based off of his speed and playmaking ability. But I don't know on a consistent basis what you're going to be able to trust out of him or what weeks I'm going to feel all that comfortable playing him because I don't know how many home run balls are really going to be available to him throughout the season. That much was clear. All right, now that we finished recapping the Thursday night game, why don't we go ahead and get started on our 1 p.m., or I'm sorry, our 4 o'clock game previews here. And we're going to kick that off with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders. First of all, we'll kick it off. Tyreek Hill has a timeline of expectation right now of four to six weeks all in all, that has to be considered great news because Tyreek Hill, really, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse for Tyreek Hill. We could have been looking at IR. We could have been looking at possibly two months. We could have been possibly looking at the entire season because when it first happened, I thought maybe he broke his collarbone. So being that it's just a fracture, being that they're just waiting for the soft tissue to heal, he should be okay, being that he didn't need surgery. So they're saying four to six weeks, it's very possible that he's going to be able to. Uh, come back and play and be healthy and ready to go once he's able to uh, get past all the steps that he needs to accomplish. So that's the news there for Tyreek Hill. In the meantime, Sammy Watkins becomes a wide receiver one. I don't know how he doesn't. This offense with Patrick Mahomes, especially this week against the Raiders here, who lose Jonathan Abram and whose defense looked a lot better against Denver than what it actually is. Uh, I don't know how Sammy Watkins is not considered a wide receiver one, especially after how good that he how good he looked against Jacksonville. And I'm not just talking about the production. Yes, of course, the production was off the chain. But it was how he looked as a player, how healthy he was, how explosive he was. Sammy Watkins looks like he's, as long as he doesn't have a setback injury-wise, looks like he's really ready to go this season to explode. So I don't know how he's not considered a wide receiver one for you at this point. Who's going to replace Tyreek Hill? It sounds like it's going to be a bit of a committee. While Mecole Hardman was the guy who was pretty much in the game the entire time last week, he wasn't targeted. He wasn't utilized. And it sounds like it's going to be a kind of a split between Hardman and DeAnthony Thomas and Demarcus Robinson. So it looks like that is what they're going to utilize there. They're going to kind of sprinkle everyone in. I don't know if another if there's another wide receiver on the Chiefs that you really feel comfortable about starting with. I think this is something you're going to have to wait and see and see how it shakes out. If you have to pick somebody up, if you really want to pick somebody up, I would say Hardman is probably the guy to pick up. But I don't think Mecole Hardman is all that good at football, to be honest. I think he's just fast, and that's it. And maybe that's all you need with Patrick Mahomes. Maybe that's all you need to just get one play. But you're banking on getting that one play, which is why I would wait and see how this all shakes out, how many targets, how many, how much snaps, all that between those three guys before I would make a decision on how much I can try to go hit a home run ball with any one of them, quite frankly. Travis Kelsey will be fine. Travis Kelsey's Travis Kelsey. He's going to be always a top five tight end for you. This is a great matchup. They're going to have to lean on him and Watkins a little bit more with Tyreek Hill out. So I think Travis Kelsey, while he had a good game for you last week, I think he goes back to having a great game for you this week. All right. And also, we got to talk about the running back situation. I mean, Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy looked like the far superior running back, especially when it came to the running game last week, and that was his first week with the team. I expect him to be more involved in the offense, more involved with the snap count this week. I don't think Damian Williams is going to lead the team in carries again for the rest of the year. 
I don't. Starting with this week, Sean McCoy, I think, will lead the team in carries. Now, he'll still be, Damian Williams will still out be out there primarily in passing down situations and third down, and probably even more than that because the Kansas City Chiefs will just run out of shotgun. So there's going to be first and second downs we're looking to throw. We'll have Damian Williams out there for that too. But I don't think you can count on him giving you much, if anything, in the rushing department. And this game... Being that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a little bit of a sprained ankle, they're going to want to take it easy on him if they get the opportunity. If they get up big in the second half, I think we might see a decent amount of Sean McCoy. I think LaShawn McCoy is a legitimate flex play for you guys this week. I like him a lot. And I think Damian Williams at this point, because of McCoy, is no more than a flex play in half point and full point PPR leagues. I don't think he's an RB2 for you anymore, frankly. You can't trust the, you can't, you can't trust the volume that he's going to be able to get. The Raiders here on that side of the ball, you play the guys that you want to, Josh Jacobs, I think Tyrell Williams is a high-end wide receiver three with upside. Uh, I'm not going to stream Derek Carr. It wasn't that impressive to me. He played a good game, threw for 250 yards and a touchdown, but it was a similar stat line to what we have seen in the past. Now, I thought he did try to play a little bit more aggressive, especially earlier on in that game, which bodes well for Tyrell Williams. But at the end of the day, they really don't have a ton of weapons. Darren Waller, somebody you can play as a borderline top 10 tight end. He's obviously going to be involved in the offense. He obviously is a talented pass catcher, and he's finally putting it on display after we've been talking him up all summer. And against the Kansas City Chiefs, everyone has a plus matchup. You're going to have to put up points. It's a bad defense. So I think you can play all of your guys with confidence. I think if there was a week that you had, if you had to stream Derek Carr, this could be that week, but I think there's a lot of other options out there that we're going to talk about that would be better for you to be able to lean on. Next game we have is the Chicago Bears and the Denver Broncos. And with this game, we have Mitchell Trubisky. Who cares? You don't stream him against the Denver Broncos. It's in Denver, playing against his old defensive coordinator and Vic Vangio. I like him a lot. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I like the Denver's defense a lot in this game, actually. I know they didn't have a great showing against the Oakland Raiders last week. I think they're going to play up, play better at home. And going up against his old team, I think Vic Vangio is going to be ready for this game. And I think the I think the Broncos defense might be one of the top defenses that you can have this week. Now, David Montgomery, is he going to take over? I still think it's going to be at least one more week before David Montgomery takes over, unfortunately. But... Coming off of a week where they were highly disappointed on offense against the Green Bay Packers, where David Montgomery, head and shoulders, looked like the better running back. And if anybody tells you different, they're crazy. Because I have heard some people say Mike Davis looked better, and I, I flabbergasted at that notion. It still might be one more week before David Montgomery totally takes over. Now, Tyree Cohen is not a threat to take carries. That, that much is, is certain. He's pretty much a slot receiver at this point. And I wouldn't be surprised if the platform you're playing in for fantasy winds up changing him to a running back slash receiver sometime soon because he barely lined up in the backfield. He lined up more as a receiver than anything else. And I think that's how they're going to continue to use him with his speed and use him for gadget plays and stuff like that. So I'm still not going to start David Montgomery yet, but I think it's getting close to where you will be able to. For the wide receivers, you got to play Allen Robinson. Look, there's no way you can't be encouraged by the performance of Tyrell Williams against the Denver Broncos on the outside. Allen Robinson was a lone bright spot in last week's game. He's the guy that they are going to lean on as far as the pass catchers go to be able to target him all over the place. I love that they moved him all around the formation. They had him in the slot. They had him outside. He's definitely going to be the featured part of this offense. He's definitely going to be the number one guy Trubisky looks for. And he, Trubisky is going to have to lean on Allen Robinson to try to move the chains and try to get something going in the passing game because he looked terrible. And Robinson is a guy that he can throw the ball up to and win 50-50 battles. So he's going to get leaned on heavily. Trey Burton is still questionable in this game. I don't know if he's able to come back and play this week. But I will say this. If he doesn't play this week, he's somebody that you might be able to just go ahead and dump. I'm not going to stash a tight end waiting, hoping for when he's going to come back. Because this is a situation where I don't think we're getting all of the details as far as how hurt he actually is. So I would move on. And I'm not picking up Adam Shaheen. I like Adam Shaheen's talent, but they're not utilizing him in that way. On the Denver Broncos side of the things, we have a really bad matchup for some of your key guys. Philip Lindsay, 
Royce Freeman, I don't know how you can play them against the Chicago Bears with any kind of confidence, especially watching them not succeed very well against the Oakland Raiders a week ago, who do not have anywhere near the front seven that they're going to be running into in Chicago. Now, the Broncos do have to lean on their running backs. They're going to have to lean, I think, on Philip Lindsay more so in this game to try to give them a spark on offense, which is something they're desperately going to need coming off an abysmal performance last week. But it's just a tough matchup, and I don't know how they're going to be able to do so. That offensive line looks shaky at best at the moment, and I don't see why they don't get dominated up front. Now, Philip Lindsay should have at least a floor for you because they did at least prove that Devontae Booker is not going to get an annoying amount of touches. Philip Lindsay is going to be the primary pass catcher. They are going to use him in that role. The one guy I do like a little bit here is Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton showed me something last week. That was an impressive performance. He was able to definitely establish himself as the number one wide receiver to Emmanuel Sanders, who looked good, which only plays to Cortland Sutton even more because if Emmanuel Sanders can just still be effective, he doesn't look like old Emmanuel Sanders, but he does look like he's an effective wide receiver. And as long as that's the case, Cortland Sutton will be able to get more one-on-ones. The defenses will not focus on him. In this offense, he seems like he really fits the offense. He looks like he physically, in his development process, looks ready to take the next step up going into year two. So Cortland Sutton, I think, is going to be a very good wide receiver all throughout the year. And I think he's going to be a viable flex play for you throughout the year with some upside to be a wide receiver too in certain matchups. Now, while I don't love the matchup here against the Chicago Bears for the offense in general for the Denver Broncos, because I am worried they're going to be get beat up at the line of scrimmage, I do think Cortland Sutton's going to be able to find himself getting peppered with targets and have to be utilized because at some point, I do think the Broncos are going to have to lean more on the passing game, probably especially in the second half. So I think Cortland Sutton could actually be a viable flex play for you here. The same thing goes with Emmanuel Sanders. I think they're going to have to lean on both of their wide receivers. So I think Sanders in a, I would feel more comfortable using Sanders in a half point or full point PPR league. I don't know if I would use him in a standard league this week. I would probably only play Sutton in a standard league in the flex, but I would utilize Sanders in the flex position in one of those type of scoring formats if that's what you want to do. Oh, and I have some breaking news for you guys. Breaking news. Sterling Shepard has been ruled out for this Sunday's game due to his concussion. So it must be pretty significant to them to rule him out on Friday. So we'll have to see next week as he goes through the protocol once again if he will be able to play. Breaking that guy that to you now because we talked about that game yesterday where we still didn't know exactly what his status was going to be. So they, they do come out now and say that Sterling Shepard will be ruled out for Sunday. All right, so back to Denver. Uh, the only other note to have real quick here would be Noah Fant. Better days are ahead. He was clearly the starting tight end. That's who they're going to go to. They want to utilize him. They tried to get him involved in different ways. It just didn't work out last week. I don't know if this is the week where he you know, has an uptick in fantasy production for you, but I do think he's somebody you're going to be able to keep on your radar moving forward because they definitely have a game plan to want to use him this season. So he's going to have some matchups where Flacco is going to be able to go to Noah Fant in a good matchup that you could probably plug and play him in when you're streaming tight ends. That's just my quick note there for the Denver Broncos. So for our next game here, we are talking about the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Rams. Now the Saints have to go on the road here. So that's always a consideration when you're talking about Drew Brees, when you're talking about the wide receivers, the offense in general just not playing nearly as aggressively on the road as they do at home. My caveat to that is against the Rams, though, in Los Angeles in a game in which points are going to have to be scored in order to win, you may see a different type of road game out of the Saints than you typically have seen in the past. So this might be the one road game where I look at Drew Brees and like, I can still play you as a top 10 quarterback this week and feel confident in doing so because you're going to have to throw the ball more so than they usually like to when he's on the road. And he should be able to play okay. Now the Rams defense I think is actually pretty good. But we saw Carolina, whose offense is sputtering, be able to put up points. Now, a lot of that had to do with the run game, which the Saints are definitely going to lean on. Alvin Kamara is going to be great. He's my number one running back in half-point PPR leagues this week. Number one. He's going to get peppered. We know he's going to get targeted. He looked fantastic on Sunday. He's going to be the big mismatch against the Rams this week. And I like Latavius Murray in the flex. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I do. I have him as a top 20 running back as well going into this week. He looked he looked good in his own right. He scored a touchdown. I think he's going to get a few more touches this week than he did last week. I don't think they want Alvin Kamara to dominate the backfield snaps and touches the way that he did because uh, he had about 75%. I think that's going to be a bit high as far as what his actual average for the season is going to be. I think it might be closer to 60-65, and that may start in this game where they lean a little bit more on the run game, lean a little bit more on the pounding aspect of it where they go to Latavius Murray just a bit more. So I think a few more touches are in the future for Latavius Murray starting this week, and that's why I have him as a flex play against the Rams, who do look like they are still vulnerable against the run especially after watching McCaffrey run against them with ease. Now, yes, he's Christian McCaffrey, but Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, pretty good in their own right. Of course, you play Michael Thomas. There's going to be no worries there. He's always going to be a consistent wide receiver one for you, maybe one of the most consistent outside of DeAndre Hopkins uh, all season long. I'm not playing any second receiver. Ted Ginn clearly is the number two receiver. Uh, based on snap counts, based on how they utilized him last week. It's definitely Ted Ginn and then Traquan Smith. But at the same time, uh, they're on the road. Typically, that number two wide receiver doesn't do too much for the Saints on the road. I don't know how you trust playing Ted Ginn in this one. Uh, maybe t- maybe take a shot on him in DFS. I could see that scenario. But in your redraft leagues, there's no way I'm playing him. And Jared Cook, I'm leaving him on the bench. I am. I feel like what I saw last week kind of confirms it. Drew Brees was looking for Jared Cook. He's going to have some big weeks. But against the Rams, who have the speed to kind of stick with the tight ends, they have the linebackers, they have the safeties to kind of take him out. Now we'll have to see if Eric Weddle's playing. If Eric Weddle's not playing, then Jared Cook may become a top-end tight end too. That you can maybe play. If he is playing, though, I don't like Jared Cook in this game. I don't think he's going to get utilized as much as people think, especially when they're not at home. That's going to be the big key. If this game was at home, I would maybe be singing a different tune. But being that it's on the road, I don't know how much I love Derek Cook this week. And I have him outside of my top 12 in my rankings. On the Rams side of the ball, I expect Jared Goff to have a bounce back. I do. They leaned on the run. They didn't play very aggressive on the road. They were up by a bit. The game did wind up getting close towards the end. But they played pretty conservatively throughout that game, especially for the Rams. I think going home against the Saints, against a team, they're going to have to put up points. Jared Goff plays much better when he's at home. I still think all of his top, I think all of his three receivers have a chance to be top 24 receivers this particular week. I think Jared Goff's going to have a bounce back game. So I think you can keep him in your lineups. I do have him inside the top 10. I think I have him number 10 overall, actually. Todd Gurley is going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Yes, it was a little dis- it was a little concerning how they used Todd Gurley. It was a little concerning how Malcolm Brown was the one who got the touchdowns. Todd Gurley's going to get those. It wasn't when I go back and watch the tape. I was concerned, and I I talked about this earlier in the week. I was concerned because the one reason why I still had Todd Gurley being a top five running back is because I thought he would still be heavily utilized in the red zone at the end of the day because he's been so good there throughout his career that they wouldn't take him out. It wasn't a matter of taking him out. They look like they came into that game with a game plan of they were going to kind of go series by series. And then when they did it, they handed the ball, they handed the game over to Todd Gurley when it was close, when they needed to close out the game. And they just gave him the ball. And that's when he racked up a few more of his carries. Because really, until the fourth quarter, he only had about, I believe it was seven or eight carries. And he tacked on six more. And look, he looks fine. He looks explosive. He looks like he's still a good glider. He looks like he's still going to be a playmaker. I think his touches are going to go up as the season goes up. I think they have a a concerted effort 
to make sure they don't overutilize him early on. So I do think you're still going to see a healthy dose of Malcolm Brown here, but I think it's going to be closer to a 60-40 split than the 52-48 split that it was a week ago. And I do think that those touchdowns were more flukes because it was Brown's turn to be in the game and not necessarily something that we have to worry about Todd Gurley not being involved in the red zone. So I'm good with Todd Gurley. You can play him. You can expect him to be an RB2 for you, at least with the upside to get back to that RB1 status. Malcolm Brown, I'm not playing him yet. I know he had a nice little game for you. He's not a flex guy in my book. Not until not until we see that this, this 50-50 split borderline that we saw a week ago is actually going to be a week-in and week-out thing. So after this week, if it is a 50-50 split between these two, then we'll start to talk about Malcolm Brown possibly being a flex play. But right now, he's still just a handcuff to Todd Gurley in my mind. He should be owned by at least all Todd Gurley owners, but he's still just a handcuff in my mind as of now. Everyone else, Brandon Cooks here has the tougher matchup. He's the one who's most likely going to see Marshawn Lattimore. So that is the one downside on that. But having said all that, we saw DeAndre Hopkins do great. Now, DeAndre Hopkins is much better than Brandon Cooks. Don't don't get me twisted. But all I am saying is that it doesn't become an automatic thing that Brandon Cooks will not be able to do anything. I think he's still a wide receiver too for you at the end of the day. I think you can still play him as such, especially at home. But Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, I expect to be the more valuable wide receivers in this matchup and have good games as well. And of course, you start all you start all of them. So we're going to take a quick break right here. Come back on the other side. We have a few more games to preview and then the mailbag segment later on. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. All right, the next game we got to talk about here is going to be one of the best games, I think, of the week between the Eagles and the Falcons. First and foremost, I think the Falcons are going to bounce back after what they ran into against Minnesota, which was a buzzsaw. Look, the Minnesota defense looked ready to play, looked ready to go, they looked back to normal. So I'm not really surprised that maybe the Falcons are caught off guard to some degree. But this is going to be a game back in Atlanta, at home, against a high-scoring Philadelphia Eagles team. And I expect the Atlanta Falcons to do a great job of bouncing back on offense and getting all of your fantasy players that you're leaning on this season back up to snuff. I mean, even with Matt Ryan, he like I, I talked about him a little bit in the recap show, even though this was a terrible offensive game for the Atlanta Falcons, even though Matt Ryan didn't look great in that game, he still got you 300 yards and two touchdowns at the end of the day. Yes, he got you two picks, but you're still going to take that kind of fantasy production. He was still serviceable for you. He's not the reason you lost if you did, in fact, lose with Matt Ryan in your lineups. And I think against the Eagles, they still have a secondary that is definitely vulnerable. Case Keenum just lit them up for 380 yards. So I really do like the Falcons for a bounce back in this week for Matt Ryan. And I like it for Devontae Freeman. Look, look, playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, they're still going to be one of the tougher matchups to be had against running backs, especially on the ground. But Malik Jackson now being out for the rest of the year does help open up what should be some running lanes for Devontae Freeman. Now, that offensive line didn't look good. They lost their first-round rookie, uh, Lindstrom, to a broken foot. He may be done for the rest of the season on the IR. So they're going to have to figure some things out. But they've had a week to prepare. They've had a week to try to shuffle up the offensive line. While I don't expect the offensive line play to be great, I still expect them to lose most of the battles against the Philadelphia Eagles' front four they still should be enough improved, especially at home. That offense in general should play better. I'm still sticking with Devontae Freeman. He got put in the doghouse after his fumble a little bit. It didn't seem like it was going to be a committee until that happened. So that's something we do have to keep our eyes on. How much is Edo Smith going to play? If Freeman doesn't fumble, does he take more of a backseat role? But I do think Freeman is going to have, at least if nothing else, a little bit more of a snap count discrepancy between him and Ito Smith this week and he should be more involved in the passing game as they should be utilizing the running backs more in that function and getting back to the basics there. 
Julio Jones, great matchup for him. He still had a decent fantasy day last week because he did get you the touchdown. I think he could have a big Julio Jones type of game this week. And the same thing goes for Calvin Ridley. I love Calvin Ridley too. I think he's a low-end wide receiver too with upside in this particular matchup. He should be in your starting lineups too with no fears. And even Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper got targeted, uh, got peppered a lot, quite frankly, last week when they were down against the Minnesota Vikings. I do think this is another good matchup for him. I think this is a good matchup for the entire offense. Now, the one thing about Austin Hooper is that we know he's not very consistent. He is a guy who will have a big week one week and then the next week look like he's not involved in the offense. That's kind of what you're subscribing to when you get a guy like Austin Hooper. But in a week where I expect the offense to bounce back and score a lot of points, there should be enough to share. Even Mohamed Sanu is going to have some low-end flex appeal in PPR leagues only this particular week as he's still very much involved in the offense and still got a good amount of targets in his own right and was a low-end flex appeal. He doesn't have a high ceiling, of course, but you're going for a particular floor with him. He's the guy who can get you six catches for 50 yards on a pretty consistent basis, especially when they're throwing the football, and I think that's going to be one of those games. So I'm not going to love playing Muhammad Sanu. I would hope you have guys with more upside than Muhammad Sanu, but if you're stuck in a pinch, he's a guy you can throw in the flex and expect to get at least some production out of. For the Philadelphia Eagles side of the ball here, you start all your studs. Carson Wentz, while I think the Atlanta Falcons defense is better than what they showed against Minnesota, they're better suited to play teams that are more pass-first, where Minnesota is going to be run-first this season, and they, they played well. They still don't have a great front four. I do think the running backs of the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have more rushing lanes than they did against the Washington Redskins. I also think this is a game in which they're going to be more competitive throughout and not be down a couple scores early and be able to score with Atlanta throughout the game and therefore not have to always throw the football too. Now, which running back you're going to play? I don't know that you play any Eagles running back this week. I think you have to see how things are going to shake out. Miles Sanders led the way, but he wasn't very good. Jordan Howard was much more efficient on less touches. So do they give Jordan Howard more touches this week? I think that's a possibility. Darren Sproles is definitely going to be the passing down guy. So if there's one guy I can trust that has a certain role, if you're in PPR leagues, you're stuck in a pinch, I think Darren Sproles could have some low-end flex play in a game that could have a lot of points, a lot of throwing where he's going to be involved in that capacity. Now, I still don't love it. I still don't think he has a big ceiling. And I think you should probably have better options. But if you're in PPR leagues, I do think Darren Sproles is somebody worth having this season. Is it clear that they're going to use him in that role? But I don't know if I start any of the Philadelphia running backs this week, even though it should be a good matchup. And I think somebody is going to do well. The problem is, I don't know if you can actually say with any confidence which one it's going to be. Receivers. Should be good to go. Alshon Jeffrey draws the tougher matchup here against Trufant, but he also had the tougher matchup against Josh Norman. Now, I think Trufant's definitely better than Josh Norman, having said all that. And the secondary of Atlanta wasn't tested very much because the Minnesota Vikings only threw the ball 10 times last week. So we don't really know where they're at this year because they're coming back off of a year where they weren't very good, but they have all of their players back too. But like I said, this game's going to have points. So Alshon Jeffrey, I think he's a solid wide receiver two for you. Deshaun Jackson, I think he's a high-end wide receiver three with upside. I think he's going to have to be able to use his speed. I think he's going to open things up. And it's clear that him and Carson Wentz definitely have the chemistry they've been talking up all summer. Zach Ertz is going to have a bounce-back game. Not that you're going to bench Zach Ertz, but he's going to have a bounce-back game this week. It's a better matchup for him. They're going to use his physicality, especially in the red zone, as their speed does match up better with their wide receivers in this matchup. So I do think they're going to have to lean on Zach Ertz, especially in the intermediate part of the field, to move the chains first and foremost. So I think Zach Ertz is going to be back up. He didn't have a terrible game last week, but I think he's going to get more to eight catches on nine targets type of game this particular week. So I think Zach Ertz is somebody who you can expect a bounce back performance from on a fantasy production. All right, now we got the Sunday night game to talk. Oh, no, that was a Sunday night game. Sorry. We got the Monday night game to talk about here with the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. So let's start off with the injury news on the New York Jets side. Sam Darnold has mono. Yeah, Sam Darnold has mono. That's that's just not a sickness that you see happen very often. So with Sam Darnold here, he could wind up missing a month. And we don't know we don't know exactly how long. Who steps in his place? Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon comes back in. He's not as terrible as far as backups go. He's going to be able to do what Adam Gase wants, which is get the ball to the slot receiver. 
Demarius Thomas is expected to play. He's going to practice tomorrow. He should be good to go. He didn't practice yesterday with listed with a hamstring injury. I think they're just kind of getting him in, getting him settled. He comes in and a trade from New England to replace Quincy Anunwa, who's going to be out for the rest of the year with a neck injury. And unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised this winds up costing Anunwa his career, considering this is a similar type of injury that he had to come back from already. So I am a little bit worried about that for him. Demarius is not going to be fantasy relevant. I don't know if he's going to be fantasy relevant at any point this season, quite frankly. It's going to be Robbie Anderson It's going as the number one guy on the outside. Jameson Crowder is going to be the number one target receiver throughout the year. And in this game, I especially expect that. Because like I said, the one thing I can expect Trevor Simeon to do is get the ball to the slot receiver. The one thing I expect Adam Gase to call is throws to the slot receiver. They're going to want to play it safe. Le'Veon is good to go. There was some concern the other day when he went for MRI on his shoulder. They reported no damage seen. He's practicing tomorrow. He will play on Sunday. No worries there. But they're going to be leaning on Le'Veon Bell and James Crowder a lot in this game. I think they're going to lose big. I think Cleveland's going to come out, have a bounce back week here. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Especially on Monday Night Football, they're going to come ready for prime time, ready to show off the toys. And it, last week's game just got away from them, P- plain and simple. And sometimes that just happens in the NFL. They're going to have a bounce back week this week. So with them leading that much, I think the Jets are going to be forced to throw it because Trevor Simeon doesn't have a big arm. I hate Robbie Anderson this week. He's got Denzel Ward on him and no Sam Darnold. Robbie Anderson needs to be on all of your benches. I'm not dropping him. He's still one of the best down-the-field threats, but there's no way in hell I'm starting him. And, of course, there's no way in hell I'm starting Ryan Griffin. The only two players I'm really starting from the Jets is Le'Veon Bell and James Crowder. That's it. On the Cleveland side of the ball, start your studs. Uh, It kind of goes without saying. It's pretty clear-cut. You start Baker Mayfield. You start Nick Chubb. You start Odell Beckham. You start Jarvis Landry. And I think you can go ahead and start David Njoku. I think think that Cleveland's going to be a buzzsaw this week. That, that's what I think they're going to do to the Jets. Even though it's on the road in New York, Monday Night Football, I think they're going to be a buzzsaw. I think they got a little bit of humble pie last week's game. I think they're going to bounce back and then respond to that big time. Big time. They're a lot better team than what they displayed against Tennessee. That's what it boils down to at the end of the day. So I think everyone gets a bump up in what fantasy production you can expect of them across the board. And I think even David Njoku is a top-end tight end two for me this week. So I think you could plug and play him, especially with some of the disappointing performances at the tight end position after last week that you may be feeling uneasy about going into this week. So I think he's a top two tight end. He's not in the top one, my guys, but I do have him at the top two. That wraps up all of our previews. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to take one more quick break, come back on the other side, get to the star sick questions, and then we'll close down the podcast. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. All right, well, first off here, I have to thank MD Nation because I got peppered with a ton of questions throughout all the platforms that I've always told you guys to go to. And if you're new to the show, you can always contact me with your fantasy questions. I'll even select a few to be shouted out on the show during this segment on Thursdays and Fridays preview episodes. So if you're new to the show, remember, you can contact and follow me along at MDSFFshow on Twitter, at MDFFshow on Facebook, and you can contact me directly by email on my website, www.mdffshow.com. Hit the contact us form, and I will always be there to answer all of your questions. And I got to all of them this week. Very happy about that. Got through them all. I selected a few that we're going to talk about right here. And I really just want to thank MD Nation for getting involved 
with this small community that is growing rapidly. I want to thank you guys all for that. And I love the fact that you guys put your trust in me to to ask your questions too. And I will continue to do this all year long for you guys. So first up, I got a lot from Twitter this week. So uh, I have my two. I have two questions here that I picked out that were from Twitter people, and then I have one that actually came to me directly in an email. So from Twitter, Alex asked me, "How much stock should I put into Marquise Brown being a big factor for the Ravens?" I can say a lot of stock. Look, he's not always going to be the most consistent guy when it comes to wide receivers. But as I talked about that game in yesterday's podcast, I said that. I believe I figured out exactly who he is. I kept calling him Deshaun Jackson. He's not. He's better. He's Tyreek Hill Part 2. The way he moves, the way he gets in and out of his breaks and runs his routes, they are so crisp. He gets so much separation. They are so quick as well that he's just going to be a monster once he starts to play more consistently. Like Remember, last week, he only played 12 snaps. Now, I expect him to play a little bit more. He's getting better and better from his injury. He's not even 100% yet. That's the crazy part. And it's a hip injury. So you figure it has to be hindering him somewhat while he's running. And it didn't look like it was. And if he has another gear on top of it when he's 100% healthy, look out. The biggest thing here for me, though, as far as trusting him fantasy-wise on a week-to-week basis is that the Baltimore Ravens' first half of the season have a great schedule. And the way they call games, the way they're running right now, is they're going to run and pound the football first. We all know that. But that play action with Lamar Jackson's arm and his comfortability with his fundamentals this season, where his feet are definitely planted under him, he has definitely better footwork. That's the number one thing that screamed out to me against the Miami Dolphins last week was how much better his footwork looked than it did a season ago. He always had an arm in college. I don't know why people questioned it. He always had a flick, but he has to have his base underneath of him. He has that this year. And if that's going to be the case, when they have play action, they look to throw a bomb. They're going to look to go deep. They're going to look to take their shots. It's all going to be Marquise Brown. I don't think there's a corner in the league who can keep up with him if he's rolling at 100%. So while he is going to be a little bit more bust, because there could be games where he has a good matchup and he gets four targets, but they don't land because they're deeper throws or he doesn't get, you know, he's just, he's not going to get enough volume in the intermediate part of the game to be able to give you a floor. You're going to want those big plays from him. And everyone's going to tell you he's not going to do to Miami what he did. What he, he's not going to do what he did to Miami to anybody else. And part of that might be true, but would it really shock anybody if he had another 150-yard two-touchdown game against a porous secondary against Arizona or one of these other next six games that the Baltimore Ravens have against plus matchups? No. So Marquise Brown, to me, I think has year-long value, first and foremost. He's going to be the number one wide receiver for the Ravens, and he's going to be a great big home run threat to have in your lineups. I love him. He's a wide receiver three that has wide receiver one potential when he hits big. So he is somebody who I can play week in and week out. Jose, for my email, he asked me, Matt Breida, Devin Singletary, or James White in a half-point PPR league? This is tough. I'm going to have to say Matt Breida with hesitation. (laughs) And the reason I'm going to have to say Matt Breida is for a couple reasons. On Devin Singletary's side, For whatever dumb reason, Sean McDermott still wants to stick with Frank Gore, the starting running back. I don't know why. I don't know what this fascination is with Frank Gore, with these head coaches. I get it. He's a good guy. I get it. He's a veteran. Oh, my God. Did he look pathetic running the ball? Two yards a carry? And that looked like that's about all he could do. It wasn't like he was bottled up. He doesn't have the ability to sprint out, to break out anymore. He doesn't have the ability. There has to be a clear lane. The offense line has to do the whole work, all the work for him. There has to be a clear lane for him to run through to get more than three yards. Has to be. He's not going to do it for you. I don't, I don't, Devin Singletary looks so good. I don't, I don't know why. So with Devin Singletary still not being the starter heading into this week, and not going to play him until he is. Because the Bills don't have a great offense. I know they have a great matchup coming up against the Giants, but they don't have a great offense with a lot of scoring potential. So he has to be the starter. The volume has to be there for me before I can feel comfortable in playing Devin Singletary. James White, on the other hand, playing the Dolphins. I want to play James White. I want to feel good about that. But here's the thing. Sunday really concerned me if I'm a James White owner because of how much Rex Burkhead played. And he's the one guy, because Sonny Michelle doesn't take away from what James White does. He's the one guy who, if they are actually going to play him on a consistent basis, can take a lot away from James White. And in this matchup against the Miami Dolphins, 
I don't know exactly how the Patriots are going to treat it. I don't know if they're going to come out and say, we can run in pounds, and this is a game where we're just going to run it out and just beat you down physically because we can. Or if this is a game where, because we have Antonio Brown, we're going to come out flying on all cylinders, we're going to get everybody involved, get everyone in their touches, everyone's going to go off, and then we're just going to pack it in the second half. I think it's going to be the second one, most likely. Where And that's the scenario. James White should have some value. But because they're not going to need James White in this game, he has a low floor heading into this week, this week. And he's not a guy who particularly has a big ceiling any particular week. Matt Breed is going to be the starting running back against Cincinnati, whose defense played a lot better last week than what I think they actually are. So... With, with Brita, of course, you have your concerns because he's a guy who seemingly always finds a way to pick up an injury during a game and, and miss a portion of it. And you also know that he's going to be in a split share with Raheem Mostert to some degree. Matt Brita should still be the guy who not only is the starter, is the guy who gets work on the passing down situations as well. And it should be a decent matchup for him against Cincinnati. So I'm going to have to say Matt Brita, but it's kind of a tough one. It is a tough one. Franklin from Twitter, he asked me in a PPR league and... This one, I wanted, I know how this one wound up because this actually question came in a couple days ago, uh, but I do want to put this one out there and then I'll let you guys all know how, it, how he told me it, it went eventually. So for a PBR league, he said, I have Kelsey, I have George Kittle. Should I trade Kelsey and Jarvis Landry for Michael Thomas? So just looking at this trade right now, and then I'll tell you what my advice that I actually gave him was. I don't know if I do this deal. Now, it's intriguing because if you have George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, you're going to have a number one tight end still. And the idea is that you can also pair that up with a number one wide receiver. And I'm assuming that it's going to work out because you probably you probably took Kelsey early, but you probably got George Kittle at a bargain if you wanted with George Kittle too. So you probably got him in the third or the fourth round, most likely. And you can try to flip Kelsey with George Kittle, who's going to be able to compete as a top one tight end with Kelsey throughout the entire season. He looks like he's the only pass catcher on the 49ers that can be trusted right now in any capacity anyway. So he could have another season like last year where he got targeted a hell of a lot. It might not be a stretch to think that he might not see regression as far as that goes. So you do like Kittle here. I don't know if I like this trade though, because Jarvis Landry is a good wide receiver, especially if you're talking about a PPR league. And when I expect the Cleveland Browns offense to get back on track and be a pass-first team, there's going to be a lot of targets there. So that, that's a lot of value for Michael Thomas because Travis Kelsey's number-wise might not be that far off from Michael Thomas because Travis Kelsey does put up wide receiver one numbers in his own right. So I don't think you have to give up Kelsey and Landry to get Michael Thomas in this scenario. And that's pretty much what I told him. I said, if you can give up something less than Jarvis Landry, then I'll do it. He came back to me the next day said, that he was able to give up Travis Kelsey and D.D. Westbrook and got the deal done for Michael Thomas. That's a much better deal because, like I said, in PPR leagues, D.D. Westbrook, I would have him rostered. He's the only Jacksonville Jaguar receiver I would trust. Even in that scenario, I don't know how much I trust D.D. Westbrook. I don't know how much I would want to play him outside of bye weeks, outside of injury, outside of possibly having to. He's a guy who has value, who should be rostered, but he's not a guy that if I have better options, I'm not going to put him in my starting lineup even as my wide receiver three or flex guy. So that's a great move because now you have number one tight end, you have a number one receiver, you still have Jarvis Landry, so you have a solid wide receiver two at the very least. I don't know what the rest of his lineup is, but I know at the least he has a very good solid wide receiver two. That deal worked out nicely. So I kind of want to put that out there too, that I will help you with trades as well and try to get you the best value you possibly can for your leagues too. That's going to close down the podcast. Had a great time recording today. I hope all of you guys have a great time on Sunday are able to listen to the show. Make sure you're checking out my rankings at mdffshow.com ahead of your Sunday matchups. Make sure you got the right guys playing in your lineups to be able to win your leagues. I will probably be coming out with another video maybe either sometime later on today or sometime Saturday night with the week two injury report like I did last week. So that way you guys know who to keep an eye out on on Sunday when all of the active and inactive lists are coming out. And make sure you're following me on Twitter to keep up to date through Sunday and through every day, really, for those player news update notifications at MDSFF Show. Follow me along on Facebook at MDFF Show. Make sure you check out this podcast on the preferred app, Radio Public, or any one of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you listen to the MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. Make sure you're checking out one of my networks. Uh, they're all doing great work right now, especially the NFL season full swing, overtime heroics, 
uh, Belly Up Sports, Unwrap Sports. They're the ones I'm doing the Sportcaster along with, which has been going fantastic so far, by the way. Thank you for all the views that I've been getting on there for the videos. It's really been greatly appreciated. It's helping me and the show be able to expand. And on top of that, you know, on your favorite podcast app, please, if you want to help the show or even on Facebook, just drop me a review, a five-star review, a couple of comments. It really goes a long way in helping me be able to expand the show. So definitely do that if you enjoy this show. Uh, I will see you guys on Monday with the first recap episode for the Sunday afternoon games. And then, of course, on Tuesday, we'll come back with the Sunday night and the Monday night recap along with the waiver wire segment. So I will see you guys after the weekend. Good luck and have a great time. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.